I feel very lucky that I get to sort of say no. <laughs> Your opinion that you have, it is not as valid as a scientist who has spent her entire life researching this. That is Wendy Zuckerman, and this is Tiny Conversations. I'm Brian Cauley. Wendy is the host of the very popular podcast, Science Versus. If you've never heard of Science Versus, in each episode, Wendy and her team tackle the issues on one major topic, only using science. Past episodes examine things like gun control, fracking, attachment parenting, and the G-spot. Wendy says the goal of the show is to pit science versus something she calls the opinionated mob. I called Wendy in her New York studio to talk about why science is so important to her, some of the difficulties of hosting a show that often will conflict with many people's opinions, and what she hopes for in the future. Here's that conversation. You, you talk about science versus the opinionated mob. When did maybe this switch happen where you were like, oh, okay, I'm going to take science and I'm going to start using it to have fact-based conversations about these things that are kind of swirling all around me in my social life and things like that? I've been a science journalist for a long time. I've only started doing podcasts and radio fairly recently, but I've been a science journalist for... Oh, going on 10 years, maybe eight years. So I think the more and more that I started doing research and loving knowing what I was talking about, like being able to say, well, I know this because they did this study on it and this is the, why it is this way. Isn't that so cool? Um, and then I like enjoyed less and less talking about things that I didn't know. Then when the podcast started to become successful, it became this joke in my family around like the family dinner. We're a very loud and fun family and we'll always, always like love just to talk about controversial things. And my family members would start, start talking about this sort of opinionated mob type things, just having opinions on things, which is always fun to have. And then they would start checking themselves and kind of looking at me and going, well, like, I don't know, maybe Wendy knows what's going on here, but I just have this feeling. So they knew and started checking it in themselves. <laughs> so now that that switch has kind of happened and you talk about knowing things... Do people still, like, come up against you, like, even if you're like, well, here's this fact, and they're like, yeah, but let me tell you. Like, are there, do you, do you experience confrontations kind of like that? Yeah, I mean, I think it all depends on how you say what you know. So I tend not to be a dick, I guess. <laughs> so I, not to say that I can't cross into that line at times, and by a dick I mean someone who's, just barraging someone with information or running over them and not actually having a conversation. I mean, it is my job. Luckily, I get paid for, you know, I get paid to spend my entire life reading facts. Most people don't have that luxury. So I have to just chill out on the fact that I might know a lot about a topic because effectively Gimlet has paid me to spend a month looking into it. If you kind of keep that in mind and you treat people with respect and you just give them the evidence rather than the the conclusion at the end of the day, so say with the G-spot, if someone says, you know, oh, oh, I had the best sex last night, he hit my G-spot, I wouldn't come out of the gate and be like, you know what, it doesn't exist. 
you didn't have the great sex last night. Like that's the wrong way to do it. It's just, you know what? We I looked into this and actually there's there's no G spot. What he was probably or she was probably pressing was the clitoris isn't that interesting and this is the reason why. And then you don't get this kind of pushback because you're not attacking them. You're just delivering hopefully exciting and interesting information and then you can just have a conversation. But having said that, you do get people who say things such as, oh, well, that's just that study. I bet there's other studies. That sort of idea, that kind of anti-science. Oh, there's a study to, to show anything. Oh, well, I bet the scientists were paid by big, evil, you know, XXX. You are taking on very big ideas where people do hold very sort of deep-seated beliefs. And I'm wondering, where does the motivation to kind of day in and day out show up and be like, yeah, I might get some nasty emails and messages about this, but dang it, I want to, I want to still want to keep going. The, the personal element of me just being interested in a particular topic is one driving force for sure. So anytime when we have our pitch meetings and we talk about what topics we want to cover, sometimes a particular topic will come up and then we'll just say, okay, so who wants to spend one month of their life researching this? And if no one puts their hand up, then that means we're not going to do that topic. So sometimes uh, the topics we pick is just because we are genuinely interested. And I think the gun control one really came from that. Someone had emailed me and asked me to look into it. And then I was really curious as well, because particularly coming to America, it's a totally different ball game in the way that guns are talked about. And the way that both sides of the debate use statistics and use science. And so that was very much, I was like, what is going on? Like, how can both sides be using science and coming up with exactly the opposite answers and saying their case so strongly, what's going on? In in Australia, we have this, and I think it is in America as well, this idea that everyone's opinion matters and everyone's opinion is valid. Um, And a scientist who has studied in a particular area for her entire career, her opinion about a a topic is just as valid as someone who's just thought about it and, and has intuitions about it. That idea is very strongly held. And so I feel very lucky that I get to sort of say, no, your opinion that you have, it is not as valid as a scientist who has spent her entire life researching this. And it feels like an important message to be sending people and that that's fine that your intuitions are wrong and this is what the facts suggest. Can, I can understand that. And you raised in, in answer that you kind of raised this this interesting thing, which is how science in, in general can be treated. Being a science journalist and as someone who's who's recently come to the United States, what is your take on the state of science? People do want information, but some people don't. And and some people are just kind of happy to go with with intuition. And I think, I don't know, when it comes to to where science and how some people's relationship with science, I, I mean, I think most people just, I don't, I don't, I shouldn't even say most people say I'm catching myself like talking rubbish because I'm like, I haven't done any, I haven't looked at surveys of how people see science. So I guess all I could say is I've experienced a spectrum. I've met people who think that science sits on some kind of cloud in the sky and it's no good and scientists are just corrupt and they're just doing studies for their own benefit and they're no better than anyone else. It probably speaks volumes that 
in the presidential debate. I think climate change was mentioned twice by Hillary. I don't think the word science was ever mentioned. It's it's not a big issue here. Do you remember a time where someone just came up against what you're saying or just in science in general? It, there's, there's like a spectrum of, of critics of science verses. So you have the people who just say, oh, science, whatever. Um, and then there tends to be the people who are, who are sort of on the periphery of science and who say, well, you're just cherry picking the data. That's one study. You don't understand how science works. And that's a fair criticism, except for the fact that we read so many studies and we only present the ones that are kind of part of the scientific consensus. We do try to say there have been lots of studies on this, here is one. Um, if you're not sort of listening out for those cues and you've just got your angry pants on, then you can you can think that we're cherry picking when we work really, really hard to actually find out what sci- the scientific consensus is. <laughs> what, what is a little bit telling of this show is that when we have a conclusion that agrees with people, they will say they love the show and when we have a consensus that disagrees with what people thought, then they will tell us we're cherry picking. So in some cases, it might be the same person will have tweeted us and said, I love this show. Yeah, G-Spot doesn't exist. And then in the next next week, what? No, hypnosis is real. You guys cherry pick the data. And so you just sort of think we're using the same process all the way through. Clearly, we're, we're doing something right. Well, and, and kind of hitting on that. Because you're, you know, you've got like your first season on Gimlet. What do you hope for the show? Like looking forward from a radio perspective, I have a lot of hopes for the show to become more interesting to listen to from a from a sonic perspective. So going out to to places more than we do now. So right now we'll try and get sort of one or two bits of scene tape. And then we do a lot of interviews still um, still in studio. But the the funnest episodes to work on are always the ones when you're working with real tape that's out on the field. Like our last episode, we interviewed a dog. We were playing around with this great tape of this this dog. I could still – and we, we recorded so that um, my senior producer, Caitlin Sorry, had the microphone on the dog while I was interviewing the guy so we could get this, like, great panting noise. So, like, throughout the interview, you just hear this, like <laughs> – and it was like it was just like really fun, fun to do. And I would like us to do that as a team more and more and more. I think sometimes because even though I, I'm not a dick, it is in my nature that when I ha- know facts and I read articles where people are just talking nonsense with such veracity that I just think, what are you talking about? And then give me a microphone on top of that and I will just go a little hard, maybe. Um, I think we do our best work on Science Versus when we are softer and give it more heart and speak to how we understand that the world is complicated and we have intuitions and it just so happens that in this case you're wrong. So I, I think to, to give it a little more heart and soul would be would be nice and I think we will do that as episodes kind of progress and the topics that we pick um, kind of will will change a little bit as well. If 
you want to hear more from Wendy, you can subscribe to Science Versus pretty much anywhere podcasts are available. And if you live in or near Toronto, you can watch Wendy do a live episode of Science Versus at the Hot Docs Podcast Festival on Saturday, November 19th in Toronto. I'm going to be there and I'm really excited about this. I'll post links to all of that on this show's website, tinyconversations.com. While there, you can listen to my and Wendy's full conversation. We talk for about half an hour about things like the opinionated mob, the various kinds of guests of Science Versus, and Wendy's thoughts on the patriarchy. I try to, to not think about it too much, actually, because there are, there are benefits to the patriarchy and obvious detriments. Check all that out, and if you like what you're hearing, please either subscribe to this podcast, share it with a friend, or give this show a review. If you really want to help me out, you'll do all three. Okay, that's it for me. I'll be back in two weeks with a new episode. I'm Brian Colley. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>